Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine through. Well, today I am delighted to welcome Sally Oddy to Life Beyond the Numbers. Sally, you're so welcome. I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. That's great. Now, that accent, tell us, there's a story behind that accent, because actually now you really do sound like you're from Yorkshire. But before we started recording, you didn't. You know, it's so interesting. Some people who hear my accent think I'm Yorkshire born and bred and I've never been anywhere else in my life. And some people are instantly like, is it New Zealand or South Africa? I was born in Yorkshire, but then when I was six, I moved to South Africa and I basically grew up over there. And then I came back to Yorkshire in 2000. So my accent's a bit of a, when I listen back to myself, I think it sounds like a chaotic mess. But yeah, some people don't even know I've been anywhere other than Yorkshire. It's very strange. It is. And I guess if you're not listening out for it as well, sometimes, yeah, you you might just think, well, whatever. And certain words or phrases we use, I think, keep our accent as well. There are some words that just no matter how refined your accent becomes, they still bring you back to where you grew up. I bet there's a lot of that for you as well with certain words and phrases you say where you go straight deep in. Oh, absolutely. And of course, as I speed up, I become more Irish in my accent as well. <laughs> as I get more passionate and, and more flared up, I'm most African, 100%. I've been reading about your journey on your website and it's fascinating. And you sent me an email saying you just put it all out there and you're an open book. And that's really obvious and it's very endearing as well, because I think a lot of us are afraid to take steps when we might go to work for ourselves or whatever and seeing that it isn't all plain sailing it's almost a relief yeah especially when you get going and I I was thinking there must be people in workplaces now who are thinking about starting their own businesses or people who have just maybe made the leap and it'd be just fascinating to hear more about you and how you've got through it all and the first post I saw which was about in 2010, I went blind and then got married. (laughs) And it basically goes from there. So (laughs) let's go where we go, Sally. And it would be great to hear 
Yeah, so that was that was my final, well, that was actually not my final year in the corporate world. I left the current job I was in. So what happened was I was in the corporate world, uh, a very male-dominated environment, working my way up the corporate ladder. I was in marketing for a huge, big international law firm. I traveled all across the world, all across America. I absolutely loved my job. And funnily enough, a female manager came in over me who was one of those female managers. I'm sure we all know the type. And over the course of two years, and even now I can't believe it it happened, I was really systematically pushed down and bullied and made to feel less than and shoved aside. And it got so bad, like my paranoia level, like if two people were talking in the office, I would swear they were talking about me. And I started to get really, really bad physical symptoms. At the same time, I was being laden with so much work. It was literally insane, like the hours I was actually working. And it culminated in me having a hemorrhage behind my eye. So I knew that I was burnt out. I was having strange smells in my nose. My hair was falling out. I had like really chapped lips all the time. It's strange. Some of these symptoms, if you recognize any of these symptoms, by the way, like take some time off work and go to the doctor. My heart was pounding all the time. And then it was like a perfect storm. We moved into a new house that needed renovating. We were getting married that year. I was probably drinking more than I should at the time as well. I've actually been alcohol free for just over a year now, which I'm very proud of myself for. But I've probably been drinking a bit more than I should have. And yeah, I was outside doing some pressure washing and I suddenly, I I smelled burning in my nose and I suddenly felt weird. And then this veil went down over both of my eyes and I couldn't see. It it wasn't like completely black, but it was grey. And I went into my husband and I said, I think I need to go to the emergency room. I think I'm having a stroke. That's always my first day. I'm always terrified of having a stroke. Anyway, I went to the ER and after quite a long lot of evaluation, it turned out I had a hemorrhage behind my right eye. I was in and out of the hospital and various outpatients things for like five months or something. It was crazy. I had to have vascular scans and all this kind of stuff. And the upshot was I lost the the macular vision in my eye. Even to this day, however many years later, I cannot see through my center vision in that eye. And that was a million percent burnout. Wow. So I immediately quit that job. (laughs) But I didn't take any time off. This was the big mistake I made as well. I didn't take any time off. I didn't really give myself time to heal. I didn't even really acknowledge that it was burnout. I just thought... I stressed, exhausted or whatever. So I got another job, had a, had a day in between that job and this job, in between got married, et cetera, and started the new job. And within like a couple of months, I was like, this is just, isn't it? It's like same, different day. You know what I mean? I was like, this isn't. And so one of the partners in the new firm that I was in said, what are you doing? You should be a consultant. You shouldn't be here wasting your time in this business working for everyone else. As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, I've never thought of having my own business before. Never thought I was entrepreneurial. And as soon as he said it, it was like the penny dropped. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I'm getting out of here. So literally, I think that was like the April or May, he said that to me. And by the September, I'd resigned and started my own business. Wow. And that was in 2012, September, 2012. I started my marketing consultancy. Wow. However, had you recovered from burnout and everything at this point? Was it frying pan to fire? Yes, it was. Well, it was. I think the thing is, what I hadn't really appreciated was it was the years leading up to the burnout incident. I mean, I, I probably was physically, mentally, and emotionally wrecked, is the truth of the matter. So I hadn't really recovered 
but I just kept going because especially then when I started my own business, anyone who's got their own business will know it does take a lot. Although having said that, when I started my first business in 2012, it was much easier. It was a much easier game. There wasn't social media like there is now. There weren't as many people doing it. No one I knew did it. Like I didn't know anyone who was self-employed. So to be honest, when I did it, I sent out some direct messages on LinkedIn because LinkedIn was working back in 2012. I didn't share any posts. No one was sharing posts. Oh, heavens no. No. No one was sharing content or any of that stuff. And literally for seven years, I religiously billed between six and 10K a month just by sending out DMs on LinkedIn. Wow. No. And then got loads of contract work. So to be honest, that business was actually easy. But I think it's because I was doing the marketing for other people. People are willing to pay you to do the marketing for them. The difficulty in what I'm doing now is I'm teaching people how to do it for themselves. And fundamentally, we're all lazy buggers and we just want someone else to do the hard work. And why the shift then, Sally? It sounds like your business was doing really, really well. So why shift from doing the marketing for others to teaching others to do it for themselves? So it's interesting. I think if you've come from a profession, a services type of profession, and you're going to start business for yourself, your first instinct is often to do consultancy work. And what you don't realize at the time is all that really means is you're employed by several big men you know what I mean so so having gone from one male dominated you know culture or working for the man you then suddenly work for like 12 of them or whatever it is and over the seven years what I recognized was I was basically employed by a lot of different companies to come up with unique ideas and thinking and do their marketing for them so it, it wrung me out <laughs> creatively and also I was doing a lot of marketing for like law firms and accounting firms there's only so many ways you can say the exact same thing and I just got to a stage where I was like you know what I don't feel like I've got my own business I just feel like I'm employed by more lawyers and accountants and is this really what I want and funnily enough I went to a networking event I'd avoided women all these years ever since I had that that horrible manager And I went to a networking event for women, for female business owners. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I felt like I was back in the womb. I was like, oh, these women are amazing. Surely I can help women, entrepreneur women grow businesses. Like how much better would that be? And like, honestly now, like five years later, whatever, I don't don't really like working with men. Like I just want to work with men. We're so nurturing and so, so grateful. And it's just like a whole different world. So that's what prompted the transition. I stopped wanting to feel like I was employed and I wanted to feel like I had my own business. And also in that consultancy, I was trading time for money. Whereas in my business now, it's a leveraged business. So the hours I work aren't dependent on the money I earn. I looked into the future of my marketing consultancy and didn't like what I saw. So. And then were they long-term initiatives as well? Or were you having to look for new pieces of work every now and then? Yeah. So when I had my consultancy, I had a lot of contract work. So I had a lot of open-ended contracts where I'd go into their office once or twice a week or, or a few times a month, or I'd do a certain number of hours for them from home. So I was quite lucky, actually. I think the first two years of my consultancy, it was just ad hoc 
project work like do a strategic marketing plan or whatever it was and then I got a bit wise to the situation I thought my god this is a lot of hard work you know what I mean so then I started getting contract work and so for the sort of last five years of that business it was more long-term contract work. And then I also got just ad hoc projects coming in as well. So I always seem to have more than enough work. But I also think when you're doing a consultancy, when you're working for SME businesses, they've got money to pay you a lot of money. So you actually don't need as many clients in that business to make good money. Whereas now in some of the offers I have, they are lower value offers. So you need more clients. So if you're thinking about going into business, like these are the things to be really looking at and really thinking about, you know what I mean? And I think it's interesting what you said about trading time for money, because that's mm. effectively what you do when you have a salary. That's the, the transaction that's happening. So you're now doing that, like you said, for several businesses rather than for one. And are you escaping, I know we're going back in time here, but are you escaping the politics of the office by doing it like mm. that? Or are you immersed back into that again? Because I think that's the other reason people often leave is they're like, I've had enough of this. And when you go into a consultancy, you think, ah, I won't have to get involved with anyone. I'll just do my work. You get sucked back into the politics times 10. It's even worse because there's more politics. You try not to one thing I would say is I feel like the respect you get as a consultant, especially in marketing, is better because when you're employed, for some reason, they just see you as like the events girl or the marketing girl or whatever. It obviously might have changed. I've not been in corporate world for a long time. I hope it's changed. But for some reason, when you're a consultant and they're paying you by the hour, they suddenly value your time a lot more. But yeah, on that leverage thing, I heard an expression once that said, if you've created a business that needs you in it, to make money, you've created a job, not a business. Mm. And I think that once, and I was like, wow, okay, what do I actually want? Do I want a job or do I want a business? So what's the difference then, Sally, between a job and a business? So a job is trading time for money. So you only get paid when you're sat at your desk doing the work. A business is when you're able to scale and leverage so that the amount of hours you work aren't directly related to the money you get. For example, I've got a membership. So my membership only requires X, Y, Z time from me a month. I could have 50 members or 500 members, and that membership will still only require the same amount of time from me. So if you have an online course or anything like that, it's like if you can sell your knowledge and education in a, in a passive or semi-passive way, the amount of money you can make is, un the amount of money I can make in this business, there's no cap. I, don't, I never have to employ anyone. I never have to have an office. <laughs> Whereas in my previous job, it was very capped by the amount of hours I could work. So that's the difference. Being a consultant is more really a job. You're trading time for money. Although in my sector as well, a lot of coaches really just have a job because they're just doing one-to-one -one coaching, one-to-one -one mentoring. They're just trading time for money. So if you want a leveraged lifestyle business, You've got to think about what you can offer that's scalable without you having to be there all the time. As you're talking, I'm thinking about all these ads I get on Instagram of the person who's at the beach saying, you don't oh, need to work, yeah. you only do you know, the four hour work week and all of that. Now, presumably, a lot of work goes into getting to the stage where you can attract 500 members. It's not like you flip a switch one day. Yes. So... Yeah, I think there's a lot of false advertising out there. 
the other things just be really really that too. yes <laughs> yeah. also, a lot of these people who are saying that they potentially started their businesses 10 15 years ago when there was no one else around doing it so they built up that business in a boom time if you just suddenly drop into the online world now and try and have that freedom-filled lifestyle business working one day a week and earning six figures a year, I'm sorry to say it's not going to happen. So even with a leveraged lifestyle business, I feel like they're very front-loaded. You've got to put in the time. And to be honest, it also depends what you really want to be doing. Because like now I've got online courses and my membership, but I also love doing one-to-one. So I do actually sit at my desk and work three, three and a half days a week because I choose to. That's what I want to do. I love the work. I want to do the work. But even if even if your goal is to go and live on a beach in Bali, it's going to take a lot of time and effort and focus and energy to build a business that's going to allow you to do that unless you're a travel blogger teaching travel blogging. Because also, a lot of these people who are out there doing that, that's actually what they do. They are actually travel bloggers. So they're they're sitting on the beach, they're actually working because that's their actual job. So look closely is what I would say. You need to interrogate things a bit more. A, A lot of this clever marketing is just that. And I think people really need to take a bit of a higher perspective and look at things a bit more objectively and think, Is this too good to be true? Because if it sounds too good to be true, it generally is. There's no easy money these days. Online business is not get rich quick fast. It's just not. And if you think it is, you're barking up the wrong street. So if you absolutely are, like there's no doubt about it. But if you have an idea for a business, then what do you do first Sally, like if you were to start all over again now, the benefit of hindsight and knowing that solopreneur was the way to go, which I am going to say is a single or a, a one person business one effectively. Person. Yeah. What would you do differently now? So I think there's a, there's a couple of things. So I do actually work with a lot of people who are in start, startup stage. And I would say, to be honest, startup stage is from years one to five or until you start making consistent 10K months. Because to be honest, anything less than that, you are actually in startup stage. And don't, don't be ashamed of being in startup stage for a long time. Some people are happy in that stage as well. So this is the thing. I think everyone wants different things from this, from these businesses. You know what I mean? I might be happy with two and a half K a month. You might be happy with 22 and a half K a month, whatever. You know what I mean? Then that's absolutely fine. So I think one of the first things is just get super duper clear. You know what? One of the first things I would recommend, and I actually did this, is do a business plan. Do a business plan, figure out what you're going to sell, who you're going to sell it to, where they are, how you're going to reach them. It's like the most basic stuff is the stuff a lot of people overlook. So if you know exactly what you're going to sell and you know exactly who you're going to sell it to and you know exactly where they are when they're looking for your services, put those three things together and that's the start of a business. And what I would say is actually to grow an online business, you don't need social media. There's a lot of ways you can grow an online business without relying on social media. But what I would say is social media is free and it's a great visibility and credibility platform. But don't please go into creating an online business and think social media is the be all and end all. 
because you'll end up being your own content social media manager like I probably did for two years, getting sucked down the rabbit hole of creation and you'll get nothing back for it. <laughs> so I did that for a long time, so I know. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. But even a step further back, Sally, if you're thinking about leaving, for example, and you, you're still in employment and you're not sure whether now is the right time to move or not, what's the steps there that people could think about taking? So, so the first thing is do a business plan. So I remember when I first was going to leave to set up my marketing consultancy and I spoke to my husband about it because obviously he's married to me. He's also got to be involved in the conversation. And he said, do a business plan figure it out. What are you going to sell? How much are you going to sell it for? How many are you going to need to sell to make your money? How are you going to get the clients in? What's your plan? So the first thing, to be honest, even before you start looking at what anyone else is doing and <laughs> getting distracted, I would say, do a business plan. Get super clear that you have a proposition that has value. That's the first thing. Once you've got that on paper and you can really clearly sell, right, I'm going to sell that, for two and a half grand, I need two clients a month. This is how I'm going to get them. Da, 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 da. And also just question whether you can do this from a standing start. So does the corporate experience you've got come into it? Obviously, I have 20 years marketing experience behind me. I didn't just drop in as a marketing consultant fresh from college. I had 20 years marketing experience. So I, I had a reputation in the industry, in the area that I lived in. To be honest, it was low hanging fruit. It's going to be easy money for me. So I think when you're starting a business, yeah, start with the low hanging fruit. What have you got training and experience in? What's the easiest business for you to go in? You don't have to stay in that business forever either. You know what I mean? You can, you can change. And then once you've got that, do some market research. So go out, research, go on social media, go on people's websites, see what other people are doing, see what other people are saying. Just gauge to see that there's actually a need for what it is that you're offering. Um, and, and those posts that where people say, oh, I, I made, I had a six-figure launch, don't listen to those posts. But look at the people who are like consistently talking about, I did this with a client, I did this with a client, I've done this. They're demonstrating that they're doing the work regularly then you know there's a market. But the other thing I would say is save. Save as much money as possible. I've always been a terrible saver, but I think when I left my corporate job, I think I'd saved up like seven or eight grand, which for me was like millions. So I knew I had enough money to keep me going for a while because you need that lead in time. So I would say if you can save up like... If you can save up six months money, like I always hesitate to say, and that, that probably sounds like quite a difficult thing. But if you think about the minimum amount that you're going to need just to pay your bills and live, because there's nothing worse than starting a business desperate for the cash because your business is seldom going to fly. Absolutely. I think the savings is a big thing. And what about then getting help, Sally? Because that I think that was something I underestimated, you yeah. know, that actually... Yeah, I know what to do, more or less, but do I? And you think, oh, well, I can't afford to pay for help until I have clients coming in. And it's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? So what are things people can do as well, maybe while they're still in employment even? That yeah, so so I, I kind of 100% feel everyone does need some help. I mean, my background was business and marketing. I've been doing it for years and years and years. 
the consultancy business I found easy when I transitioned into business and marketing mentoring, just an online business in 2019, I was unprepared for how difficult it would actually be to carve out a place for myself in the online world. And I, and I've got years of experience. So to be honest, there's lots of different ways. I would a hundred percent say get help. There's a lot of free resources available for people to have a program, adventure, have programs. There's a lot of Google have a lot of programs and stuff. There's a lot of free stuff you can actually find if you look like basic business courses, basic marketing, basic digital marketing. So even while you're employed, even when you get started, if you just want to find some free stuff to help you, there is stuff out there. But if you're if you're doing something specialist, like for example, I help online coaches, mentors and consultants, that's a very specialist part of the online business world. And that's also the thing, just to really be aware of what industry, what sector you are going into. If you've got a product-based business, if you've got a service-based business, you know, if you're going to have digital products or whatever it is, like specify what it is you're actually doing. All of the coaches that I help, they've been what's the word like not spinning their wheels but they've been trying for two three years four years five years sometimes and they've not got any traction at all and that's a really hard place to be so things like for example like I said I've got a membership it's like 50 quid a month it's for coaches it gives you all of the bits you need to build a strong online business I don't think you need to join these hella expensive coaching programs or mentoring things when you're starting out. You just need to look for someone who's going to help you get the basic foundations in place so that you're on solid ground. And that's another just important thing to know. I think a lot of people see these courses or coaches or mentors and they're like, I can get you a six figure launch, six figure business in six months or whatever it is. If I was you, I would stretch your timelines and start thinking about building a business for the long term, because a lot of those things are very shaky one off and they nearly kill you to get them done. What I teach people is this is how to build a business that's sustainable and that will feed you for years to come. So stretch your timeline. Stop thinking about this month, this week, this year, whatever, and start thinking about how long do I want this business to actually pay me money? and invest accordingly. Think about what it is you're going to need to get there. Not that flash in the pan stuff. It doesn't work. Mm. And and the lifestyle as well, Sally, how you actually want to live your life. Because maybe maybe you want to work three days a week. Maybe you want to work six days a week for five years and then two or whatever. But I think it's also thinking about, well, yeah, what do I want in my life and how do I want to structure that? Yeah. And like when you retire, what's going to happen if you've built up a business? So, for example, my business, to be honest, my membership, I could probably keep going well into retirement if people were still willing to listen to my wrinkly self. But if you've got like online courses and digital downloads and digital products, those things can keep selling until the day you're in the grave. You know what I mean? So you can retire and those things will just naturally keep selling if you've got a, a, your business set up as an evergreen business that it will just constantly feed itself. But yeah, think about how you want to spend your days. There's a lot of people who aspire to being fully booked, like a fully booked coach. And I have been fully booked. And it's not all it's cracked up to be a lot of the time. I was doing like nine 90 minute sessions a week for 10 months straight. Um, and then I had another burnout, PS. But anyway, that's another yeah. story. If the only plan is trading time for money, be careful. 
because that's not a sustainable business in the long term. Everyone who's doing this, I feel it's to some degree or another is doing it for some kind of freedom in their life. So be really mindful of how you want that to look. Don't build a business that's going to trap you in it. Totally. I know what freedom means to you as well. Yeah. I think because, because freedom might just be being away from an employer. Freedom can be anything, can't it? It's again, it's yeah. what you, what it is to you. And I think it might be yeah, just get, get coming to your desk in your pajamas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, or having breakfast at midday, or I don't know. Yeah, or, yeah. it's whatever you want. Yeah, being yeah. able to, you know, it might be that you want to be able to spend more time with your kids in the morning and fetch them after school, or spend more time exercising in the morning or it's different for everybody and the money people want and need is different as well so like if there's one huge piece of advice I can give is pick your lane and stay in it like plow your own trough don't worry about what anyone else is doing just decide what you want and decide how you're going to get that and focus. If I'd have done that from the beginning, I think my business, but I know my business would be further along. But when I first came into the online world, I got so distracted by all these bright, shiny objects. I was like a magpie. I was here, there and everywhere, probably for a good two or three years. And it really hurt my ability to earn money. And I think the thing about picking your lane, it's a bit like the career ladder, isn't it? It's making sure it is the right lane or that the ladder is up against the right wall because you can be in the wrong lane and that's not going to help either. But I want to go back to something else you said there about coaching and doing nine 90 minute sessions a week, right? Now, that might not sound like a lot, (laughs) To some people, okay? Because we work in the corporate world, we tend to work at least 40 hours a week, probably more. So you think, okay, well, I can do that. But there is such a difference in coaching and in coaching well that actually you need recovery time and that has to be part of your business plan as well. And I think that's where people fall down thinking I can coach 40 hours a week. Oh my God, yeah. So when I was a consultant, I was working five days a week, eight eight hours a day, whatever. But yeah, if you're a coach or a mentor or anything like that, everyone's different, I would say. But for me, I give a lot of myself mentally, emotionally, my energy. And I'm a very hands-on business mentor. So I end up actually doing a lot of work for my clients. Like I'm designing lead magnets and I'm writing out their copy and I'm helping them with their graphics. So after each call, I'm sitting down doing my homework. You know, I would honestly say for me now, and I've seen on Facebook, some coaches who say, oh, I won't do more than two private sessions a week. And at the time I was doing nine, I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, this is insane. And it just felt like I was lurching from session to session to session with no time in between to really figure out, just no time in between. This is why coaches have to charge more because you cannot coach five days a week, eight hours a day. To be honest, three sessions a day max, four days a week max. Like, and to be honest, unless you've got really, really good rest routines where you're doing deep mental and emotional rest, even that is a lot. You've got to think you're not going to be able to to have as many clients as maybe you think. The other thing just to point out, and my husband actually did a spreadsheet for me the other day called the client accumulator. You've got to think about if you're selling 
like a three month coaching program, for example, and you're selling coaching every week for three months, and say now, for example, to make your business work, you've got to win six clients a month. In the first month, you'll have six sessions a week, but in the second month, you'll have 12, then 18, then 24. So a short-term coaching program weekly, you're going to have way less capacity <laughs> than like a six-month program every other week. So really sit, just sit down and like work it out. You know what I mean? Like, right, if I sell this, how many sessions will that mean? Am I going to be able to cope? It's just about having a really clear idea of what you're getting into and what you're actually trying to create before you launch in and start creating stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds so simple. I know, but it's so annoying. Like in my membership, right, every session we have, I do a lot of masterclasses and stuff in there. And without fail, someone's like, it's so annoying, Sally, because you make it sound so simple. And I'm like, I know, I annoy myself. Because it actually is so simple. We definitely overcomplicate it. But also there's an element like, remember, I do have a lot of business and marketing experience. So for me, a lot of this stuff is basic knowledge. But how would you possibly know? Though? That's why working with someone like me, especially in a membership that's quite an accessible price point, the, the value of the learning alone that you will pick up is worth a million times. You know what I mean? But what I would just say in terms of picking a mentor or a coach, whatever, pick somebody who you believe in, who you respect, who you think she knows her stuff. I'm going to listen to what she says and then block everyone else out. Because the more people you're listening to, you're just going to be confused all the time. You know, that comes across. When you, oh my God, when yeah, you... totally. <laughs> yeah. But the, the biggest client loser is confusion. The majority of clients who I work with, like they don't really even know what it is they do. You know, it sounds like the most basic thing. So what is it that you actually do? And they're like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know. So who is it you actually do, do it for? The basic questions you need to answer is what you do, who you do it for, how you do it and where you do it. But the thing is, those questions seem so simple, but they are actually the hardest to answer. And sometimes it can take years to refine. You know, like in my membership, I always say to them, just because you think you've got it now, it doesn't mean another layer of the onion won't reveal itself down the line. So we've got to be flexible and open to unraveling the deep depth of our expertise into our businesses. Otherwise, we just hold ourselves small. You know, so it's not even a like one and done situation. It's a process of discovery that we go through. And yeah, having someone to guide you and hold your hand is definitely nicer than trying to do it in the echo chamber of your own going insane mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, and yourself, you can talk yourself in and out of things oh my so God, easily. Yeah. Anyway, that's really no good at help. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. And you talked about masterclasses, but the other thing is mastermind. Now, when you say membership, is membership and mastermind the same thing, Sally, or are they two different mentions? Yes, they're two different things. The naming convention in our industry is pretty, pretty confusing. I keep thinking I'm going to bring out some kind of naming convention cheat sheet so everyone can just kind of read it and know exactly what things are. So yeah, a membership is generally, and obviously people can do things however they want to do things, but a membership is generally a, a community that you join where there is coursework, there's a track that you get on. So you go in for a specific purpose. I'm starting here and I want to go here. 
I'm going to go in the membership and over X number of months, I'm going to work through the materials that are already in there to get the results. And then the host coach or the host mentor <clears throat> will normally come in and do live Q&As, live coaching sessions, mentoring sessions, but they're one to many. So it's to the group. So you're not really getting the same. I'm sort of hesitating because in my membership, I do give a lot of one-to-one -one advice and stuff, but it's not like you're going to get a whole hour with me sat down on your own. You know what I mean? It's one-to-many. But there's like, so like I say, in my membership, <clears throat> I present masterclasses regularly. So they're getting my latest thinking, my latest insights, my latest ideas. Whereas what a mastermind is, and again, most people these days run hybrid masterminds. A traditional mastermind is actually a group of people getting together. There's no one person leading it. There's a facilitator and the hive mind works together. So everyone shares their expertise, their thoughts, their experiences and stuff. But these days, what masterminds tend to be is there's a host, mentor or coach. Yes, you have mastermind sessions you also have group mentoring or coaching sessions where you're learning together. There's normally some one-to-one -one support in a mastermind as well, or in my mind, there should be some one-to-one -one support. There can also be a curriculum and that community aspect. So memberships are normally lower priced because you're not getting as much one-to-one -one time and masterminds are normally higher priced. The mastermind then is something that you do a bit later in your journey. It's not really the starter off the starting blocks. It's more of we're all at a certain level now in our businesses and we can support one another and push each other kind of idea. But the thing is, I suppose a coach could have a mastermind for beginners. Mm -hmm. As long as the mastermind you join is for where you are, it's gravy. You know what I mean? So, so you could easily have a mastermind that's literally for startups from years naught to three under 10K, whatever it is. And then you'll all be on a similar zone. So it's actually less about where you are and more about what is inside the offer. And that's something that I think everyone should just really just have their eyes open on. It's really sad. Like a lot of people I've helped over the years have committed to crazy money like 20 grand a year kind of things that within the first five minutes of talking to them it was blatantly obvious they'd been missold like it just wasn't the right container for them so just be really thoughtful about what it is you're going to get from it are you ready for it also like a lot of people are like oh this is we can help you launch so we can help you have a six-figure launch and we teach you all these launching strategies that's great but if you don't have the foundation stuff, what are you going to launch? You're going to launch shaky shit. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to launch anything. So like you've got to have these foundations in place first. You know, your expert niche, your methodology, your thought leadership, your offer journey, your client niche, your messaging. You've got to have that nailed down. And then you can do fancy launches. And this is the other thing as well. People get lured into like, expensive tech and Facebook ads and all of this stuff before they've got the basics ready because everyone's rushing to the sexy stuff and ignoring the back-end basic stuff that you really need to get in place before that stuff will work for you. It's, it's funny, isn't it? It sounds so... <laughs> it almost sounds condescending, but it's like apply logic. You know what I mean? Like apply logic. <laughs> the way I think of it often, Sally, is, you know... If you want to be a cyclist, learn how to ride the bike 
Yes, before exactly. you purchase an expensive bike and before you buy all the gear and all of that yeah. and I think we tend to go and buy everything and get everything ready to start the activity without yeah. really ever knowing we're going to enjoy it or not it's and like if you, if you wanted to climb Kilimanjaro would you just head off to base camp one day no it's like years of like hill climbing, mountain climbing, hiking, understanding. You you sort of develop your your ability to do it over many, many years. And then you go and do the thing. And even then it can be hard to do. So, so yeah, like just take the blinders off from the clever messaging and apply your logic to it. And also just trust your gut. A lot of times we're like, ding, 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 ding. Something's fishy. But then their salesperson is on you and they're convincing you and they're sending you this. And then you then you get the FOMO and you get sort of this panicked feeling with it. Let me tell you, if you get that panicked feeling anytime, that's that's the warning bell to exit stage left. Like, don't do it. You know what I mean? If it's that good, give yourself a couple of months to think about it and come back. Just be careful where you invest because I'm I kind of hate saying it because it makes me feel really sad that this is the industry that we're in. But I can't even begin to tell you the stories I've heard of people who've come to me. One woman came to me and said, I think she'd paid about eighteen to $20,000 for a program, a year-long program. And she booked a one-hour session with me, which at the time I think was only like £175. And she said, I got more from this one hour with you than I And I was just like, A, that's a great testimonial. Thank you very much. But yeah. B, oh my God, that's horrific. <laughs> and I've heard that multiple times over the years. Yeah. So be careful. Do, do you just be wary, you know? Well, I think it's it's also make sure it's somebody you want to spend time with. And oh, my God. Yeah, Literally. that's that's really yeah. important, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. First thing I do is I try and find a video of someone. And if I don't like their voice, or if I'm like, nah, you're just going to irritate me, then I'm like, so for me, like some people, I, I might be more might. Some people might be like, oh, yeah, she's she talks fast. She's straightforward. She just says it like it is. I bloody love that. And other people would hate this. They want a more laid back. And what do you think? And let's well, there's somebody for everybody. And, exactly. And that's the other thing when you go into business, you aren't for everybody. <laughs> that's right. And a really important lesson. Like, yes, yeah. nor should you be. Nor should you be. Yeah. yeah. Don't ever be afraid. I always think like for, with me, who you see like on social media or on my website or whatever, it's who you get when you jump on the call. There's not going to be a moment of, oh, hang on, this isn't quite what I expected. Like there should be full transparency as far as I'm concerned. There should be no veil between who you are and what you, you know. So if someone jumps on a call with me, I want them to be like, I kind of feel like I already know you. You know what I mean? Because then, then you build a rapport so quickly with someone. You know, there's no shilly-shallying around. Like you and I, when we jump on the call, <laughs> like you're straight into like an in-depth conversation. That's how every single discovery call I have goes. Because people come on the call and they feel they already know me. So they feel relaxed. So there's no sales needed. If you just be who you are and present your most authentic self, people will either want to work with you or they won't. You know? Absolutely. Sally, we're like out of time because oh, no, I'm a chatter. <laughs> no, no, no. It's been absolutely brilliant. But I wanted to give a shout out to Emma O'Brien because Emma, who was in episode 76 and is well worth listening to, introduced us. So thank you very much for that, Emma. And Sally, if people who are listening would like to know more about you and where to connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? And I'll put it in the show notes. I'm on all over social media at Sally Oddy. That's O-D-D-Y. All my website is sallyoddy.com. So as long as you know my name, you'll find me. 
Perfect. Brilliant. <laughs> Sally, thank you so much for your time. It's been really entertaining and, <laughs> and also like a lot of value, entertaining from that perspective. And I could certainly have talked to you for much longer. So thank you for coming along today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.